0: Good morning. Welcome to North Gainesville Baptist Church. Please stand and take your hymnal and turn to 311. 311, Redeemed. We'll sing the first and last verse, number 311.
1: redeemed. I've been brought back from the slave market of sin. We're all sinners. Thank God Jesus came to save sinners. Aren't you glad you know Christ is your savior today? And if you don't, today's a good day to trust in him, to know that you've been redeemed from your sin. Father, we thank you today. Once again, we get to be in your house to fellowship, to sing these wonderful hymns that were written so many years ago. And it is your heartbeat, your desire, that every person, the whole world, would be redeemed. I pray if there's one in this room who's never been saved, never been redeemed, oh God, help them to see it for themselves today, their great need of salvation before it's too late. But for us who know you, oh God, help us to grow today, to know you more, to love you more. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. We know your Son, Jesus Christ, Him alone, is worthy of all honor and glory and majesty so we come today worshiping him and all that he's done for us blessed today may jesus christ be praised we pray in jesus name amen. amen you may be seated it's good to see you this morning hope you're doing well on this first day of the week i encourage you to come back tonight especially those of you folks who are members of north gainesville baptist church uh every every quarter we have a financial update this one is is very important of course because we're talking about our finances from last year, talking about what God has done, our finances for the future, and voting on those things. So as members of the church, we encourage you and challenge you to be here especially. We'll have a, a brief service and then we'll have Brother Pete will take over the financial part of the meeting tonight. And afterwards, uh, we will have a uh, Bible reading ice cream fellowship for all of you who finished your Bible reading. If you'd like to join us for some ice cream and some, some fellowship and then some testimonies really of, of how God has blessed you by reading the word of God and what it has done for you, if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, There's a sign-up sheet there. We encourage you to be a part of that. Of course, men's breakfast tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. at the 43rd Street Deli. By the grace of God, of course, we'll have our Bible study uh, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, This Saturday, ladies, don't forget to sign up for the uh, baby shower in honor of Tia Bolzer. And, of course, little baby Zachary. Encourage you ladies to sign up for that. And also, the Phoebe Valentine dinner is coming up before you know it on Friday, February the 9th. There's a sign-up sheet for that. Uh, we need to pay ten dollars a person for that. Please pay. I think Jocelyn, right? Jocelyn, by this coming Wednesday, if you can, for that. And then February the seventeenth, we have church-wide visitation. We're going out inviting folks to church from ten to twelve on that day. And then one of the activities that we have is men. Uh, we don't usually do baby showers. And all the men said. We don't, we, don't, we don't do a monthly Phoebe meeting, though we do have a weekly Bible study, but what we do at least once a year is have a time of what we call a men's spiritual retreat. And every year, we go up to the, by the grace of God, every year that I've been here, last four years, going on five years, is a spiritual retreat up in Lake Park, Georgia. It's called the uh, Men's Venture of Faith Retreat. It costs very little, I think 30, $40, uh, to go there's a sign-up sheet in the back and I promise you men if we go to a men's fellowship there's gonna be a couple of key ingredients like there is key ingredients to every good meal there's gonna be good food I promise you that there's gonna be good fellowship and there's gonna be good preaching and every time I've gone to the, this this fellowship it's always had those key ingredients it's only about an hour away some people like to go just Friday and come back Uh, You can stay overnight. The next day they have fishing contests and and shooting contests and axe throwing contests, uh, you know, to prove you're really a man's man, you all that kind of stuff. So if you'd like to go the next day, get more food, more fellowship, more fun, you can stay. I usually just go that Friday night. But there's a sign-up sheet in the back. If you'd like to know more about that, you definitely can. And reminders, please sign up for the 2023 tax receipt. Sign-up sheet is on the back table, and the 2024 tithing envelopes are on the back table as well. The
0: the choir's going to sing Look for me at Jesus' feet Please stand to take your hymnal and turn to 268. Number 268. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Number 268. And making your way back to your seat, please remain standing and turn to 215. 215. My Jesus, I love thee. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Number 215. First, second, and last.
1: True for all of us. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. but Jimmy, would you pray for our tithes and offering? Amen. Amen. Maybe see. You. Thank you, Miss Robin. Praise God. Jesus never changed. Neither do His Word changes. Take your Bibles, and if you would this morning, turn to Colossians chapter 2 as we go on through this wonderful epistle. One of the prison epistles that we look at. Epistle meaning a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. Though he never visited them as far as we know physically, we know he was with them spiritually. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16. Let's read. Through verse twenty-three this morning, Colossians chapter two and verse sixteen. Let no man beguile you. Excuse me. I'll go back to verse sixteen. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or respect of holy day or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Verse eighteen. Let no man got beguile you, of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding unto those things which he hath not seen, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together, increasing with the increase of God. Increase with the increase of God. Wherefore you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Verse 21. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are of all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed to show of wisdom and will worship in humility, neglecting of the body, not in the honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Lord, as we look again to your word, we're thankful for it. Pray, God, that you'd help us to see the fallacies of these false philosophies, philosophies that were there in this first century church and false philosophies, human reasoning that abound in the church today, oh God, help us to adhere, to know, to love your word your, that you've given to us so we can understand it, we can, we can live it, and by the grace of God, help us to teach it. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So last Sunday, we looked from the word of God about the importance of knowing that each one of us who know Christ is our Savior are complete in him. when when we define what it means to be complete in Christ, that first of all, you have that, that conversion experience. There's been a time in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner, that you could not possibly save yourself by any way, shape, or form, or anything that you do, anything you've done in the past, and that you repented of your sin, meaning a change of mind about your sin, and by faith, Through grace that you turn to Jesus Christ alone specifically for salvation that is your conversion experience and I hope and pray every one of you've had that experience now some of you say "Well, preacher I don't know the exact time of the day but I know I've done that I know the day April the 15th 1989 I can't remember exactly what time but I know from that moment to to the from that point from that moment on my life began to change and there should be a change in the life of the believer. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And we talked about that process last week of growing and knowing Christ being a process of sanctification. Your spiritual life should look different now than it did 15, 20 years ago. Oh yes, we take steps forward, we take steps back. But we should be growing in the Lord. That's that that's That. that that conversion experience we talked about the fact that we are we, we have we have we are forgiven in Christ because of what Christ has done in our life there's that covering that our sins have been taken away that you and I do not have to pay for our sins oh there's consequences for sin naturally we ourselves don't have to pay for our sins because Jesus paid it all on that old rugged cross and thirdly, we talked about our conquering Christ. That in Christ, we are victorious. That we're not losers. We're not outcasts. We're not beggars. We're not, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're not outside looking in. That in Christ, we have everything. That we are totally complete in Him. But as soon as we say we're complete in Christ, in need, nothing else, there's always those outside, usually, of Christ to say, no, 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 you need to do something else. If you're, if you're really saved, if you really know God, you got to do other things. And that's what Paul was writing to the church about. beware about these false philosophies. Beware of these false teachers who will say to you that salvation is Christ plus something. And they're trying to get you they're trying to hook you into something, trying try to get you to be, do more or be more than what we have to be or should we need to be in christ so this morning i want to look at three false teaching teachings that the enemy uses to discourage and defy and divide and destroy the church look at verse 16 again let them therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of holy day or of a new moon or of sabbath day the first false teaching that we see here in the scriptures is a false teaching of legalism you say, Marty Moon, what in the world is that? I'm going to give you a definition. You can write it down the best you can. Leganism is, is a religion of human achievement. It argues that spirituality is based on Christ plus human works. Christ plus human works. It makes conformity to man-made rules the, the measure of spirituality. But dear friend, this is a horrible sin. And a lot of churches get caught up in this. First of all, it goes into dietary laws. <laughs> in the Old Testament, there were dietary laws. And it says, no one therefore judge you in meat or in drink. You say, where in the world do people get those dietary laws? Now, we're going to look at the Bible this morning. Is that okay with you? It's all, it's all right. If we look at some scriptures, you know, that's why we kind of came to church, right? What, what does the Bible say? Okay, well, look at Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1. You can either listen to me or you can turn to me. But I want you to show you. Where these dietary laws come from? And why do people say even today you have to keep these laws? Leviticus chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses and the Aaron, saying to them, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are in the, uh, on the earth, which over parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed, cheweth the cud among the beasts ye shall eat. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud, or of them that divide the hoof as a camel, because he cheweth the cud, but not about the hoof, he's unclean to you, and thank God he is. And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but not about the hoof, he's unclean to you, and thank God he is. And the hare, which, because he cheweth the cud, but not, not the hoof, he's unclean to you. And the swine, though he divide the hoof and cloven and hooded, he cheweth not the cud, is unclean to you. Oh, that's a different sermon altogether. Of the flesh shall you not eat, and of the carcass shall you not touch, they are unclean to you now dear friends remember when you're reading the scripture you always have to focus on one thing what is the context it's like in real estate what's the most important thing location 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 when you're looking at the bible what's the most important thing location 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 who's he talking to is he talking to baptist in 2024 who many of you get ready to go down to Sonny's or Dave's to have some barbecue and you say Preacher, you just said we can't have any bacon. We can't have any pulled pork. We're going to sin against God. Who's he writing to? Is he writing to us Gentiles? No, friends. He's writing to the Jews, Israel. And why did he do that? Because God gave laws of protection to the people, those people specifically, to show their distinction from the rest of the world and, for, and, 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 and to help them to adhere to him and to, and to show his love for them. He was trying to protect them and to show the distinction from them and the rest of the world. But what did Jesus say? Remember, that's Old Testament. What did Jesus say? Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Again, you can turn there, or just listen. And when he called all the people to him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you. Kind of important, right? Basically, saying, listen up, what you're saying, what I'm saying to you. And understand, there is nothing from without a man that, that enters in him can defile him. For the things which come out of him, those that are defile the man. If a man have ears to hear, let him hear. It's just not what you bring into you that defiles you. It's what comes out of you. What you eat or drink doesn't defile you. It's what comes out of your heart. The heart in the scripture is the very center part of the person's being. That's what defiles you. Further on, vision given to Peter, Acts chapter 10 and verse 9. Acts chapter 10 and verse 9. So we see where the law came from. We see what Jesus said. And we see what was said to Peter in Acts chapter 10, verse 9. Acts chapter 10 and verse 9. On the morrow, as they went on to the journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went upon the house, housetop to pray about the sixth hour. He became very hungry and would have eaten. But while, while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open, a certain vessel descending to him as had been a great sheet knit in the four corners and let down the earth, wherein all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, thou call not thou common." This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up into heaven. So Peter was here on top of his house. He was getting ready to eat. He was hungry, and a vision came to him, basically said, Peter, all the things that you learned, and you were taught from the very beginning of your life, which you're not supposed to eat, now you can eat. And Peter struggled with that, being a good Jew. This is the way he's been taught his whole life. You can't eat these things, which we read about in Leviticus chapter 11. Don't eat this, don't eat that, don't eat the colony, don't eat Don't eat uh, the, the pig, don't eat any of those things. But God said, Peter, that's no longer. It's no longer so. And, and what I've called unclean in the past, now I have called clean. So what he was saying, dear friend, there, there is no spirituality in eating meat or not eating meat. There's no spirituality in drinking Pepsi or drinking water. It has nothing to do with your spirituality. But there's people today even will say, well, you know, if you eat that, you you must not be saved. You must not be right with God. No, dear friend. That's the Old Testament. That was the old. We have to go into the new. What does the Bible say for us today? It also talks about here in in verse 16. It says not respect respect to meat or in drink, in respect to a holiday of the noon moon or the Sabbath days. There were special days back in the Old Testament. You can read about them. Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and saying unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord which shall proclaim the holy convocations, even the, these are my feasts, six days shall your work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest, and holy convocation, you shall do no work therein, it is the Sabbath uh, day in all your dwellings, these are feasts of the Lord, even the holy convocations, which shall perform in their seasons, in the fourteenth day of the month, even at the Lord's Passover, in the fifth day of the same month, in the feast of unleavened bread, and to the Lord seven days shall you eat, the unleavened bread and the first day of you shall have an holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. What's, what's he saying? Okay, there are certain days I want you to do these certain things. And by doing these things, you show your obedience and your love to me as God's people. Israel was also not to, was to sacrifice on, new, on a new moon or the first day of the week. We see that in Numbers chapter 28 and verse 11. Beginning of your months you shall burnt, offer a burnt offering to the Lord. Two young bullocks, one ram, seven lambs of the first year without spot. There are three tenths deals of flour for meat, mingle with oil. One for bullock, one tenth deals of flour for a meat offering, mingle with oil for ram several tenth deal with floor mingle with oil or meat offering unto the lamb for a burnt offering a sweet savor a sacrifice made unto the unto the Lord the drink offering shall be half an hen of wine and bullock and the third part of hin unto a ram and a fourth part of a hen unto the lamb which is a burnt offering of every month throughout the months of the year and one kid of the goats for a sin offering to the Lord shall be offered beside the continual burnt offering and his drink offering so who that is that for us today that I be going over to Catherine's house and getting a goat and sacrifice on the new moon on the first day of the year? No! Again, who's it to? Israel! Is that for us today? No. See, we're in a new covenant. You see that in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a, Jew, a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers of the day. When I look, Look, took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because the the continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. saith the Lord, For this is the covenant I will make with with the house of Israel after those days. Said the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be with them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No, the Lord. For ye shall know me from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to the unrighteous, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. And that he saith, A new covenant hath he made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is already to vanish away. So the covenant that we talked about a few weeks ago, which was Israel, is gone away. It's in the past. But the new covenant under the, under the Christ in church is totally different. That's why, dear friend, it's important to know the New Te- Old Testament and the New Testament. Because if you read only the Old and say, well, man, I guess I'm supposed to do that. Let me give you a very important, a very important point. The, we look to the Old Testament for principles. We look to the New Testament for principles and practices. There's 613 laws outside of the Ten Commandments that tell us to do these things. And dear friend, if you try to live up to those things, you're not living according to the Bible. You're living up to the Jewish code that God gave to them, not for us today. Yes, we look back to them and say there's good principles we should learn and follow. But I'm not not sacrificing animals. I'm not not saying I'm not going (laughs) to eat a certain type of meat. Because those are things in the past. We're no longer in the old covenant. We're under the new. Some people say, well, we should be following following God and and, and, uh, obeying God and and, uh, worshiping on the Sabbath day. And over in Israel, they still look to the Sabbath. I was there and everything pretty much shut down from evening Friday to evening on Saturday. They, They still follow these dietary laws thinking somehow they're going to sanctify them and save them and help them. But they can't. It's not what you eat or what you drink or days that you've observed. None of those things can save you. We worship the Lord on the Sunday because that's what they did in the New Testament. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow Continued his speech unto midnight. Dear friend, we worship the Lord on the Sabbath day because that's when on, 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 the, se- on the seventh on the first day, Sunday, because that's what they did in the New Testament. But I have people I know today, oh, you're, you're, you know, we're Seventh-day Adventists, and you guys are not doing what's right. You must not be saved. Or the Sabbath day, following the Sabbath day is a, is a right way and anything outside of that is not right. No, dear friends, you have to go what the Bible says. Not tradition of men, but go back to what the Bible says. And in the church, even good churches today oftentimes practice legalism i give you a case in point when i first got saved man i was just glad to be saved glad to come to church but I, one day i came into a church with a cloth tie how many of you men remember the old cloth ties uh, some of you do remember the old cloth ties i wore a cloth tie when i came out of the church one of the young men in the youth group said now now, no you know what the preacher doesn't like like, like cloth ties he likes nylon ties so in my mind automatically i thought to myself well if i wear if i wear a cloth tie i must not be right with god i got to change my tie No, dear friend i'm going to tell you cloth tie not cloth tie has nothing to do with your salvation and sometimes we get caught up on this what what we wear and what we do again you have to go back to what does the bible say doesn't say thou shalt not wear a cloth tie One of the first questions I asked Brother Pete when I first came here, is it okay if I have a beard? Because I knew a man who said, well, I don't think I could sit on it a preacher if he had a beard. Well, go back and you think, I think Jesus had a beard. (laughs) I think it talked about they plucked the the hairs out of his beard. If Jesus had a beard, I think it's all right for Marty Moon to have a beard. I don't want to offend anybody. That's why I asked the question. Then he has a mustache, so I figured it'd be all right. You know? But I know folks who get so legalistic, they focus on one little thing and say, well, they must not be saved because they do this or they do that. No, dear friend, don't, look, don't get caught up in that. What does the Bible say? The Bible is our rule book, our guide for life and practices, not the tradition of men. Now, traditions are good, but nowhere in the Bible are you going to find, thou shalt go to Sunday school. But do we like Sunday school? Do we promote Sunday school? Is Sunday school good? Yes, it is. But someone, once upon a time, said we ought to go to Sunday school. Do we, is it, thou shalt go to Sunday night service. It, it, it never says that in the scripture. Is it a good thing to come back on Sunday night? Yeah, we encourage you. Strongly do. How about Wednesday night prayer meeting? Does it say somewhere in the Bible, thou shalt go to Wednesday night prayer meeting? No, it doesn't say that anywhere. If you can find it, come show it to me. I'll give you a billion dollars, and I don't have that, any of it but it doesn't say that. But why do we do those things? Because they're traditions of men. But dear friend, if you base your salvation on those things, there's a problem. Because you're basing them on the traditions of men, not the word of God. We have to be very careful that as a church, we don't get caught up in legalism. Legalism. Secondly, mysticism look at verse 18 and 19 let no man beguile you or trick you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping in an angels intruding to those things which he hath, he hath not seen mysticism I'll give you a definition of that is defined as the pursuit of a deeper or higher subject subject uh, subjective religious religious experience it's the belief that spirituality Uh, is perceived apart from the human intellect and natural senses. It looks for truth internally, weighing, feeling, intuition, and other internal sensations more heavenly than objective, observable, and external external truth. It's mysticism. First of all, we see it here in false humility. No man beguile you of your ward in voluntary, voluntary humility. It's people who go around saying, oh, I'm just a poor soul oh it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way we're not good enough to go to god man our prayers could not be heard so i have to go to another person well, i actually have to you know i think i'll just go pray to an angel <laughs> no it's like the one man by now uriah heat one of the most contemptible characters of the english literature said i'm well aware that i'm the humblest person going in Charles Dickens book David Copperfield remember the old song about make Davis Oh Lord it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way there's people who go around sad face sad face sad face what's wrong oh you know it's so hard to be a Christian it's so difficult now dear friends there's times and periods when we all go through that amen we all go some some through the valley of shadow of death and sickness and pain and sorrow But dear friend, that shouldn't be your countenance all the time. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The happiest people, the friendliest people, should be people who've been redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's joy, joy, unspeakable joy. You should be happy and grateful and thankful that now your sins are forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven, that you have a home up there, praise God, that you didn't have to do anything for. You didn't have to fix it. You didn't have to kill the mold. You didn't have to kill the mildew and kill all the fire ants and all the roaches. It's going to be be pest free. Well, there'll be no master's lawn care up there. <laughs> oh, praise God, dear friend. Well, what we have, but these poor souls say, "Well, you know, I get the belief, Well, if I show myself sad, then I must be, I must be Christ-like." Oh no, dear friend, that's false teaching. It's false humility. It's not trans. God desires transparency. You know we do that sometimes we, we all kind of do it you walk into the church how you doing i'm doing fine you just heard the worst news in the world you say i do fine we all kind of do it don't we what god wants us to, well how god wants to be he wants us to be honest and open and transparent to love one another out of a true heart not to, not to live false or fake in any way there's not only a false humility there's a false worship a false worship does no man beguile you of your word and humility, involuntary humility, or worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which have not seen. There was a, there was a false humility and the false worship. The Gnostic claimed to have special visions going into great ta- in detail about what they seen. Someone would say, Well, I have a my, my relationship to God is better than you because I talk to these spiritual beings. Yeah, okay. Commendator William Henderson notes, In his commentary, it's not right for Christians to abandon the church of God and go the way to invoke angels. I meet people sometimes and I say to them, hey, why don't you go to church? Because I believe God's will for your life is number one, to be saved, number one, to be baptized, number three, to be a part of God's house. That's what the Bible says. That's how they did the New Testament. But people say, you know what? I have this such close relationship to God. I see things. I see visions. I go out there in nature and I see Kumbaya and I'm really close to God. No, you're not. No you're not. That's all false teaching. That's all heresy. That's all that's the lies of the devil and he wants you not to be in the house of God. He wants you to get out there among the trees and lay down there and just worship, look up and to see visions and take some other medications while you're doing so to help you in that experience. What is all that? False teaching. And if you look by 5 seconds on the internet, you'll find it all over the place. There is a love for that which is unnatural and unholy and outside the will of God. It's not right. The early church father, Theodore, commented on Colossians chapter E and verse 18. He says, Disease which St. Paul denounced continued long time in Phrygia and Pisidia, meaning even into the, into the hundreds. Of years, the 200 AD and 300 AD, there's a practicing of worshiping uh, false uh, angels. The, the archangel Michael was worshiped in Asia Minor as late as 739 AD and was getting given credit for miraculous cures. But what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 4 and verse 10? Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10 Jesus said to them, Get thee hence, Satan. That's a fall, that's a fallen angel, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him, shalt, and him only shalt thou serve. Dear friend, we're not supposed to worship idols. We're not supposed to worship anything. No, no, no angel, no holy thing, only God Himself. Worship Him. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. John. Bible says, and I it says, John's writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Revelation 19 verse 10, and I fell at the feet to worship him, talking about an angel, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. The angel says, Don't get down here and worship me. Don't do it not. I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren that have testimony of Jesus worship God. He said, Don't worship me, worship God. Don't worship the creation, worship the Creator. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of the prophecy. Now you say, preacher. What about the visions and prophetic dreams? Yes, both Old and New Testament. But shall we count on those things for revelation today? What does the Bible say about that? Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past, and the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom he, he hath made the world. So how does god communicate to us most in the time the word of god don't be praying oh lord if you just send me a sign oh lord if you just give me a vision oh lord if you just give me a dream no dear friend don't be asking for those things dig deep into the bible this is where you need to go looking looking for signs and wonders and some miraculous dream or vision No, listen to John chapter 4 and verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except you abide in the vine. No more say, can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same, bringeth forth much fruit. for For without me ye can do nothing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Where do you go to learn about Jesus? The Word of God. The Word of God. I like what C.S. Lewis said. He was given a guest lecture in 1944 to King's College, which is now the University of London. He said, of all the passions, the passion for the inner ring, to be special, you be a part of the holy ones the ones who know the ones that have the experience is the most skillful in making a man who is not yet very bad to be to very bad to do very bad things is that is that desire oh if i only had this inner knowledge of god oh if i could only communicate to these heavenly beings only oh, if i only knew the the secret of the word and this holy code if i can only find more no dear friend Abide in me, Jesus said. That's where spiritual growth is. It's not in some type of uh, medicinal thing. It's not in some type of extra practice. But I, I told you when I first got here, I was a Baptocostal. And I came to I know folks who said, well, if you, don't, if you can't heal, then you must not be right with God. Or oh, if you can't speak in this hand language, you must not be right with God. You really don't have it. No, different. I'm going to tell you, salvation is not in any of those things. Salvation is in Christ alone. Christ alone. Legalism. Mysticism. Thirdly, verses 20 through 23. assentism. This is someone who gives life, their life, to rigorous self-denial. In addition to practicing legalism, mysticism, the Colossians erred while attempting to gain righteousness through self-denial asceticism false teaching number one poverty equals spirituality the poor I am the godlier I am we say, well man I'm just I'm just poor as old church mouse I sure must be spiritual well, what about Abraham pretty rich he was called a friend of God uh, how about Job? he had a he he had a few things didn't he I mean he had a few things, and the Bible says he, he feared God and eschewed, meaning he kept away from evil. Solomon, oh, man, he didn't, he didn't always do what's right, but he was a godly man. You read about his, read his prayers. I just read his prayer to God about the dedicating of the temple, one of the greatest prayers in all of the Scripture. Solomon was one of the richest men that ever lived. So poverty and spirituality do naive. In the New Testament, Lydia, a seller of purple, purple was a, a special product only the very, the rich of the rich got, got because it was a special dye. She was rich physically. It doesn't make a, a difference if you have a little or you have a lot. It, wealth doesn't really matter. It's, it doesn't matter if you, if, you, if you have some or you have a, a whole lot. What matters is your love for Christ. That you don't love money more than God. But that you don't love being poor more than God too. Because you have a reputation, I'm just poor, I'm just needy, I just must, thus I must be holy. No, dear friend, it has nothing to do with it. Rich or poor has nothing to do with your relationship with God. It's what you, It's knowing Him and growing in Him. Not only false teaching of poverty versus spirituality, it's false practice. There was a father by the name of Ahazus Anthony, the founder of the Christian Monaicism, who never changed his vest or washed his feet. Oh, I'd love to be around him. Man, I'm holy because man, I you know, I don't I don't I don't ever take a bath. I don't ever wash my feet. Wouldn't you love to be sitting by that person right now? Say, preacher, hurry up and get over, pray. I gotta go. I'm out of here. There's another guy named Simeon Stylus, 390 AD to 459 AD, who spent the last 36 of his years atop, for the most part, a 50 foot pillar. He would, he would climb on this pillar thinking that he was spiritual by exposing his body to the elements and withdrawing from the world. Dear friend, that had nothing to do with spirituality. We're drawing from the world and being a hermit. and Say, oh, I'm just holy because I don't. I'm not around the world. Well, how are you going to tell people about Jesus when you're out there in the, with the squirrels and the and the frogs and the trees and the birds and the bees? How are you going to affect the world? How are you going to tell people, How are you going to love your neighbor? You're going to preach to the grasshoppers and tell them about Jesus? How are you going to be? Well, so I just want to get away from this world. It's so wicked. It's whole terrible. Yes, it is, dear friend. I'm going to tell you, dear friend. According to what I read, it's going to get a whole lot worse. The, the goal of a Christian life is not to isolate, but infiltrate and help the world, which is dark and going to hell in a handbasket, to see Jesus before it's too late. We got to tell them because if we don't tell them about Christ, who will? Who will? What did Jesus say about this type of spirit? Matthew chapter six and verse sixteen. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their face. They may appear in the men to fast. Verily I say unto you. They had their reward. They go around and say, I fasted. I, I fasted. I didn't I, I didn't have Cheetos for a week. Y'all pray for me. Oh bless your pee-picking heart, no Cheetos. Especially about right before the Super Bowl. No nachos, no Cheetos. We will all pray for you, friend. You're suffering for the Lord. He said, but when thou, when thou fastest, anoint that head and wash thy face. When thou shalt, thou shalt appear not in men to fast, but in thy heavenly Father, which is secret, thy Father, which is a secret, shall award thee openly. Don't go around saying, oh, woe is me. I didn't eat. I didn't eat. I didn't eat. No, dear friend. Wash your face. Put on the best clothes you have and praise God. Then God, he will take care of you. There's a group of people. Even in back in Paul's day, writing to Timothy in chapter in 1 Timothy chapter four and verse three, he says, "Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving, of them which believe and know not the truth." Which a group of people say, "Well, you be spiritual. You don't eat. You be spiritual. You just you just stay single the rest of your life, and just give your life to God, and you'll be spiritual the rest of your life." You no, know, dear friend, if that's what God calls you to do, then it's okay. To do it. And if, and if you have a problem by ingesting meat and you don't do it, that's okay. But don't say my spirituality is because I don't eat meat. Don't say my spirituality is I'm more spiritual than you are because I abstain from marriage. No, dear friend. But if what God tells you to do and you know it's, it's God's will for your life, then do so. I love what Alexander McLaren wrote. Ascetic religion is godless for the practitioner essentially worship who? Not God. They worship themselves. They worship themselves. As such, we are not to be intimidated by it. Don't go around to people and say, you know, I'm more godly than you because I, I don't eat Chick-fil-A. No. That chicken you guys say is holy? No, it ain't so holy. Oh, you folks go down to Sunnys. I know you like that pork, but you know in the Bible, Leviticus said you shouldn't eat that pork. now. You just can't be spiritual. You see, that, that's, see that's, that's funny, isn't it? But you know what? There's churches every day talking about what I'm talking about right now. Oh, you're not right with God because you don't have a head covering. or not the right head covering. Uh, you're not right with God because you didn't come in a suit this morning. Oh, you, ladies, you didn't right with God because you didn't wear a dress or a skirt. You know what that kind of stuff is? Foolishness. Salvation is not in legalism. Salvation is not in mysticism salvation is not in the asceticism salvation is in Christ alone Christ alone it's not Christ plus something it's in Jesus Christ alone do you know him do you know Jesus that's where it all begins. and then as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we're more conformed to him we want to be closer to him we act more like him Oh, dear friend, why do we people fall into these false philosophies? Number one, because they don't know the Word of God. They don't cultivate a relationship with the Word of God. And they want to be accepted by other people. Oh, I want to be accepted. So they say to me, don't wear a cloth tie. I better wear a nylon tie next week, which I did. But the Bible says in, he, in Proverbs chapter 29 verse, 29, verse 25, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord... Shall be safe. Where is your salvation, dear friend? In the putting on or putting off or the doing of this or the doing of that? No, dear friend. It's like what I said at the very beginning it's knowing Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, for as much as you know you were not redeemed, you were not bought back, we sang the song, with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation or lifestyle received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Your salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. Ye are complete in him. Be thankful for that but do you know him? Have you established that relationship? If I was to ask you one-on-one, was there a time in your life you recognize the, fact that, recognize the fact that you're a sinner and you turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior, can you tell me of that time, of that moment, that period in your life where you saw yourself as a sinner and you turned to Christ? The Bible says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. It's in Christ it's not by coming to church it's not by baptism it's not by giving people good things it's not in by stuff it's not in charity it's not by loving your neighbor it's not by being a Baptist it's in knowing Christ do you know him has a relationship been established in your life and then we who know him may we choose to grow in our relationship with Christ and not be caught up with the world but choose to be cleaner walk holier more obedient to god yesterday Angie and i spent time since our kids are gone cleaning up the house you know going through pantries i went outside cut the grass trimmed the trees worked in the garage got everything cleaner you know what that's what should be the christian life it should be a process of getting closer to god getting putting things away that, are, that shouldn't be there and putting things in the life that should be there And that's a process of life. How about you? Do you know him? say, I preach, I know him. But I'm still caught up in the old world. Man, if I do these things, I'm spiritual. If I don't do these things, I'm not spiritual. It's not what the Bible says, friend. Do you know him? And are you abiding in him? Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for the truth of the word of God. Help us not, never fall into the fallacies, the false teaching of human philosophies and human teaching. Oh, there's so much false teaching out there in this information age, where it's so easy in just a few seconds to look at what Google says and think it's truth. Oh, God, help us to know Your Word. Thy Word is truth. I wonder if anyone in this room has a preacher that experience you talked about, conversion experience, where I recognized the fact that I was a sinner. And by faith, I place my faith in, by faith in the grace of God. I, I trust in Jesus Christ alone. I've never done that. Oh, I've called out to God. I've I prayed to God. But in my life, there's never been that, that conversion experience. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. There's a time and a place for most births that I know of. Was there a time and place in your life where you can say, Preacher, I can point out to a specific time or a specific event in my life where I recognized I was a sinner, what I was doing, the hobbies, the habit, the lifestyle was wrong, and I turned away from it, and I placed my trust in Jesus alone for salvation. You say, Preacher, I've never done that in my life, but I want to know for sure today. I want to know, I want to, I want to know that I know Christ is my Savior because I don't want to die and not go to heaven. Preacher, I don't think I've ever done that, but I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus and go to heaven when I die. Would you pray for me? I'd like to be saved today. Anybody anybody with a raised hand? Say, Preacher, that's me today. I want to be saved. If you have any question, if you have any doubt? I'm not sure I've done that, but I want to be sure. Can I pray for you? Anybody at all? Preacher, I'm not sure I've done that. I've done some good things. I'm here today, but I don't know if I've ever had that conversion experience. I don't know if I'm saved on my way to heaven. I'm not sure. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. Anybody at all? Say, preacher, when you're talking about things of the past, sometimes I get caught up. Maybe, maybe in being jud- judgmental towards other people. Maybe in being caught up in philosophies or things that I know that are not right. Oh, I need to pray. I wanna, I, I've not been growing in my relationship with God. You're talking about that process of sanctification. Actually, I've been going backward in my relationship with God. I know I need to be right with him. some things in my life that are not right. Would you pray for me by the grace of God that I would have the courage to take some things out of my life that shouldn't be there, begin putting things into my life that should be there? Would you pray for me today that I'd be obedient to God? anybody like that this morning would you pray for me in that area I need to change I need to change a real way in in, in my spiritual life there's things that are are, I know don't satisfy don't please God I need to get them out there's some things I need to add to my life that I know would please him anybody like that this morning anybody at all let's stand to our feet this morning if God has spoken your heart the altars open I'll be here my wife will be here if you'd like to pray if you're not sure your salvation dear friend Please don't leave this place without being sure. All I can tell you right now, the opportunity is open. I can't promise you another second outside this place. It's God's will that not any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Would you come to him today? Christian brother or sister in Christ, you're not following the way you should. We've all been there. Everyone in this room has been times in our life where we backslid. We went went back towards the world. We we looked back and started longing for things we used to do, old habits, old hobbies, old relationships. And God convicts us through his word and the Holy Spirit. And we say, oh, Lord, I don't want to go back. I want to go ahead. I want to be like Christ. Whatever the need. As the piano plays this morning, would you obey, Lord? Come and pray and ask God help. His forgiveness. Whatever the need is. Spirit of, Spirit of God is speaking to you about a specific area, about a specific need that you have. Now is the time, dear friend. Don't wait. Not tomorrow, not the next day or someday. Humble yourself. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Listen to His Spirit this morning.
0: Thank you for the privilege of being able to come to your house this morning, Lord, and, and hear the Bible preached, Lord, to, to hear what uh, you have to say to us, Lord, not what man has created, not what uh, religion has created, Lord, but what uh, the guidance and, and, um, and, and how you would want us to live our lives um, in, in, in uh, service to you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for, for being able to um, have your church house here uh, that uh, that then we can leave your your doors here, Lord, and share that, that message with others, share the gospel message of salvation with uh, those around our communities or our families that need to hear it, Lord. Be with us this afternoon as we go to our respective homes and bring us back safely tonight. We ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.